0: Proudly present the Killer Bees.
1: Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the
0: technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston Sports Radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh,
2: hell yeah. You about to get all stung up.
0: Ooh, what up,
2: H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. on Branham. Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. It is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Joe, did you see the uh, the joy and the glee that Blankers had whenever he saw us today? He was super excited that we are back. You don't have to say anything. I, I can tell. Don't. I, I can he tell that uh, all the joy and excitement—it's oozing out of you. You don't have to say anything because a picture says a thousand words. Uh, heard you guys yesterday. Sounded very good. Joe didn't hear any of you. I'm sure it sounded very good. Though. I wasn't here. You were here yesterday. I did, you didn't well, know. called did it three. I know that. So oh, you were here? perfectly aware of that.
1: I don't know. You're a busy man.
2: <laughs> yes, but uh, or or I just fake busyness. One of the two is definitely true. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. Happy to be with you guys. You enjoy some time off. No, I didn't really have time off. <laughs> like it, it was off, but it wasn't off. Like I was still doing stuff, which is kind of annoying to me. I take days off work, and you know what I do? I work more. I work harder. It's not something I love. Like one of these days, I want to take off and enjoy my day off. Like I want to off or I'm with you. Go fishing, you have been or talking nap. about for how
0: long? We need to. Yeah. We need to play eighteen holes someday just to relax, and it just doesn't happen. It's like the adult
2: responsibility and fatherhood plays a big part of this, yep. where your days off have nothing to do with you you're right. Ever?
0: It's, yeah, it's not even your days off. Your days on still have nothing to yeah. do with you. It's just a constant like grind to go to the next spot and do the next thing.
2: I long for the days where I take days off because I want to take a day off. Um, Rangers won a World Series yeah, last did. night, which I mean, who cares if a uh, if a World Series happens with very few viewership? Did a World Series winner really get crowned? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six
0: I mean, I mean, here's the thing. It, ideally, does it matter? Yes, just simply because it's the Rangers. I mean, I, that's why I wanted the Diamondbacks to win. That's why we we all agreed that you just you don't just switch your allegiance for the World Series because they're in Texas and go. Oh well, they beat the Astros, so now we can root for the Rangers. No, you don't. And this is exactly why, because now you lose a little bit of your bragging right power whenever Ranger fans like to pop off, and you could say, well, how many World Series have you won? None. Yeah. Now you can't say that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't rooting for the Rangers at all. But like to 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 view this from a Houston narrative or a viewpoint, I should say, like a point of view from a, a Houston Astro uh, fan, sports radio host in Houston. The way that I look at the Rangers winning a World Series, because, I mean, you have to accept it. They won the World Series, fair and square. They are the champions. Uh, the parade in Arlington is going to be off the chain. Yes, in Arlington is where that parade's being held. I'm, I'm very, very happy for the people in Arlington that they get to enjoy this championship. But what it tells me from a Houston vantage point is that this is the first team in the golden era since 2017 that a team has really cemented their place as a true Astro rival. This is legitimate. The Rangers Astros is a true rivalry. Other teams have tried, right? The Yankees tried very hard to be a rival. Oh, Altuve stole an MVP from Judge. Oh, we're we're the big, bad Yankees. And what did the Astros do to the Yankees over the years? They owned them time and time and time again. They proved they are the Yankee Daddies. The Mariners tried this last year. Blankers, oh, when they come into T-Mobile Park, we're going to have a reputation, dog. Whether you want to look at how the Astros handled that reputation in the All-Star game, or the series after the All-Star game, or when they went to Seattle in the division series and swept them out of the play sweat them out of the playoffs so other teams have tried to be the houston astro rival those teams have failed we're not going to count national league teams because you can't have a national league team be an american league team rivalry yankees have tried failed mariners have tried failed this is the first team in the golden era for the astros that has
0: cemented themselves as a true rival to the houston astros now you say that is that twofold that's because one they beat the Astros in the playoffs. Absolutely, and then two. They got a they got a World Series title out of it. Probably either one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, either two one. Fold. Like, it's twofold. Because I could give you
2: both of those, right? Like, some people, because uh, I think I tweeted about this, and some people say, well, the Red Sox. Well, the Red Sox were still in science in 2018. We're not going to give them credit for that World Series. That's how it works, right? You don't give them credit in the world if they won a World Series and they had some stain around the organization in 2018. But the fact that they won the World Series title, the fact that they share a state with you, the fact that they share a division with you, and, yes, the fact that they came into Minute Maid Park and won four games in the ALCS – all of those reasons and maybe one of those reasons. Maybe it's two of those reasons. But for the first time since 2017, the Astros have a worthy foe.
0: Yeah, it's legit because it's everything else. It's Yeah, it's the in-state. It's the in-division. It's the fact that, you know, I think that both organizations have tried and tried and tried to make this a rivalry in the past with this silver boot. And it's always been where when one team's good, the other team isn't. And now both teams are really good. So now... It's kind of like what you've always wanted in a rival has suddenly come to fruition so that you have a rival. You have a true rivalry because it is Houston versus Arlington, because it is in division, because it is interstate, because of the fact that they beat you this year and they won a World Series. Now there's all the motivation in the world for the Astros aside from just trying to win another one. There's extra motivation, extra motivation to get revenge. Rangers want to stay on top. It it legitimizes everything with the twofold, with the fact that they beat you and then they sealed the deal by winning the whole thing.
2: Now, I will say this: if I've said this once, I've said it a million times. What do the Astros and Rangers play for? It's a silver boot? Yeah. it's a, that, that silver boot matters way more than a commissioner's trophy, right? Silver boot way up here. No. Commissioner's trophy way down. I mean, it's always been the case that the silver boot matters more than the commissioner's trophy. So they might be throwing this Arlington parade for the Rangers for winning it all, but we know that that silver boot's what it's really all about. I mean, it's just a piece of metal. Just a piece of metal. Silver. We've never said that about the Thanks, silver boot. Robbie. Yeah. We've of- never said that about the silver boot. Now, Altuve might not have never known where it was at. People might not know what the silver boot is. People might not know that the silver boot actually exists. But us, true, uh, uh, those are all casuals. Us non-casuals, we know that the silver boot matters in that scrap of metal that Robert Manford called it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that we've joked about it over and over again, the stupid silver boot. And who really cares? And who's keeping track? This year it mattered because it had uh, it had a say so in the division, and it started. I think that's what. And of course, the big series at the end of the year, the way the Astros just handed it to the Rangers, and you're like, oh lord, maybe it isn't a rivalry. Maybe they just you know laid claim again to the fact that they still own the Rangers. And then lo and behold, the Rangers. You know what? And you got to tip the cap as much as it's painful to do. You tip the cap because not only did they beat you, but what they did from the, day, the the last game of the regular season when they basically dropped the division. To what they did last night. And the fact that they didn't lose a road game the rest of the playoffs, yeah, was pretty damn impressive.
2: No, you have to. I mean, you have to tip your cap. And Bruce Bochy's a heck of a manager. They have a heck of a baseball team. Corey Steger winning the World Series MVP was first time, right? That's ever been done that a player has won a World Series MVP on two different teams. That's you know, that's a really good team. That you know, it's the best team that money could buy. The Arlington Rangers there, but you do have to tip your cap. This is a legit rivalry. It's the stakes money, have the went up. Yeah, a lot of money. The stakes have went up between the Astros and the Rangers. These are two teams. First time ever that you're going to have two teams that have won the, t- the last two titles from the same state. So other teams have tried to be rivals with the Astros in the golden era. Uh, the Yankees, the Mariners, they failed. Rangers didn't fail. We got a real thing.
0: Well, the, the Jazz? J- yeah, the Jazz are in the National League, so it doesn't matter.
2: The Jazz? Uh, the in the National
0: League? Yeah. Okay, where are you going with us? The, the Dodgers or the Utah Jazz. Oh yeah, they, they you know, they're still pissed off about seventeen, but they just can't seem to get back there so that they can make it a true ride. Right. Yeah, who
2: is the John Stockton of the Los Angeles Dodgers? Maybe Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, yeah. Mookie Betts, noted cheater. Very much no, Mookie noted Betts, cheater. Mookie J.D. Betts, Martinez, right there with him. Mookie Betts flat out said that they cheated, and people forget about that for some reason. They, they, they want to put Altuve with a buzzer, but they forget that Mookie Betts said, yeah, we cheated, everybody was. Uh, B. Hannon says Cardinal Strohs was good back in the day. That it was. Pre-Golden Era. Um, now during the killer B era, that was the best rival for the Astros. And this is probably the first rival since then, Mm -hmm. you know, because again, Yankees don't count. Mariners don't count. They just weren't good enough. Waka says Rangers are seven years late to the party. Not really a rival yet.
0: Fair point, but you also don't, don't lose sight of the fact that when the Astros were losing a hundred games, the Rangers were going to world series and they were pretty dominant too. So that's what I said. When one team was hot, the other was not and, and vice versa. It's gone both ways. Now, for the first time in a long time, both teams look like they're going to be pretty damn good next year and maybe for the next couple of years yeah. to where you do have a legitimate rival. There's great rivalries in sports. Oh, uh, you mentioned sure. a
2: few for the Rockets. like College rivalries are always great. Texas, Texas A&M, you don't really see that a whole lot. Uh, Houston, Rice, Tech, Baylor, whatever. Army, Navy, Michigan, Ohio State. Yankees, yeah, Red Sox. Michigan versus the FBI, Yankees Red Sox is another good one. Duke uh Carolina Duke Carolina and, and Hoops is a great one. 713-780-3776. Like rate the rivalry though. Like Ohio State Michigan is probably a 10. Yeah. Army Navy that that's a 10 even though it's not, you know, terrific, you know, elite level college football. Yankees Red Sox a 10. Manchester United versus Manchester City if you're a footballer. You know that's way way up there. Yankees Astros like they had some stuff brewing but it was one-sided. Astros Mariners had some stuff brewing but it was one-sided. Astros have been the dominant team of this era and now the Rangers beat them in the ALCS on their way to winning their first World Series title. I think the stakes of this rivalry has went up a notch. I would put Astros Rangers going into next season, I would have it as the top rivalry in baseball. I know Yankees Red Sox has the cachet, but do they have the winning? The Astros and the Rangers have the last two World Series titles. I think it's the best rivalry in baseball. Yeah, the, I think it's up to about an eight or a nine in terms of the rivalry between the two. Yeah,
0: because you look at it and look at some of the other rivalries in baseball. Red Sox Yankees. Red Sox are terrible. They just they, they just haven't they they were they were, you know, flirting with a playoff spot late in the season and then they, they lost to the Astros and they just kinda of fell apart. Yankees didn't even make the playoffs, right? Dodgers, Giants. Well, unless you know, the rivalry is more in the parking lot than it is (laughs) on the field these days because, you know, the, the Giants didn't make the playoffs and the Dodgers did what they normally do. They made it just so they can bow out early. Padres were supposed to be another rival of the Dodgers and they loaded up when they spent a boatload of money and they didn't even make the playoffs. So... You think about the other rivalries that are, that have been long-standing rivalries in baseball, and even Yankees-Dodgers. When's the last time we saw Yankees-Dodgers in a World Series? I see. I don't think it's that forever. can. Be, I don't think that can be a rival. I, I really don't. Was. Like
2: AL NL though. Yeah. Like maybe back when they were going to the World Series every right. year, but I think it's impossible to have an AL NL rivalry now, even though you have interleague. It's right. just, I think it's too difficult. 2 OU Texas USA versus Mexico football. Uh, Astros versus Buster Olney is an all-time.
0: I, I would say Astros versus. Jeff Passon first yeah maybe more than only but the
2: Astros Rangers the stakes look the Astros had nothing to do with the World Series this year other than than losing to the uh, the Rangers in the ALCS but the fact that the Rangers beat Arizona and won their first ever World Series title does add to the stakes of this rivalry going forward because when these two teams play next year they're gonna be all over ESPN National Broadcast Fox all of that it's the first time in history where teams that are from the same division in the same state have won the last two championships. So the stakes have went up in this rivalry that was already pretty heated. Look how it ended this year, too. You had like a fastball to Dolas, You had suspensions. You had Aroldis Chapman intentionally hitting Chaz McCormick in the final game. Uh, Every home team lost in the ALCS. I cannot wait for Astros-Rangers next year.
0: Yeah, I mean you're right. And and even Maldi and how he stirred it up with, with Simeon and and then Garcia got in the mix of all of it and there was the constant, you know, not dotting people and 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 causing a controversy there. Yeah, look, there's everything on the table right now that makes it a rival. And Joe, I'd be remiss in saying we both dropped the ball because the one rivalry, and again it's not a rivalry right now because both teams suck, but Packers Bears used to be like one of the all-time, all-time runs. Yeah, until Rodgers bought stake in the team.
1: I mean, the record's like 500, though. So it's pretty, it's like 500 to 500 or whatever it is. All no, is. I'm, I'm saying right there. that
0: both teams sucked this year. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, I was going to suggest uh, Rob Manfred versus uh, handing out the
2: trophy. Did he struggle with it? I didn't watch
0: it. I didn't I, watch it. I didn't it. Can I play it
2: for you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah why not? 63 years is a long time to wait. Sick. But the Texas Rangers are World Series champions. Poor
0: guy. guy. I would never say poor guy. Uh, I don't know what was worse
2: or true.
1: Remember when he like sounded drunk because he had the echo in his ear when he was yeah. the Astros? Yeah, he I struggles. Think, I've,
2: I've tried to do his shows like that a few times, so I oh, kind of feel, feel his pain. Yeah, and I feel his... exactly. Yeah, so I do feel his pain. Not that I like root for Robert Manfred's success, but I do feel the pain there. But he's bad at it every year. He's yeah. He needs to hire like a like a face. Of he the, needs to get the, his deputy or,
0: commissioner like what yeah. they do in the NBA in the second round for the draft or whatever. Let him <laughs> let him take this. I'm not doing it.
2: Rangers have to go back to either LCS or World Series and win division to become a. No, this is already a rivalry. The question, though, is like what level of rivalry is it? If, if Army-Navy is a 10, if Bears-Packers is a 9, if OU-Texas is a 10, if uh, whatever rivalry you want to insert, Duke-North Carolina, that's a 10. What is Astros-Rangers? What is the level of the rivalry now that they've won the
0: last two World Series titles? I think the big thing is they've taken it from a very low number to a very high number. Whether you think it's already a full-blown 10, it's definitely an 8, 9, or 10. It's in the top three uh, in terms of the rating scale, I would say that it's probably hovering around a nine right now because of everything that happened this year.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine as well. Like, it's not quite the greatest rivalries of all time, but the uh, the stakes are higher. Both teams are good. They hate each other. I'm gonna go nine as well. Joe, you gonna go with uh, the? What, what are you gonna go with? I here?
1: was just gonna go. Joe an usually eight. likes to middle us,
2: which eight, is gonna be true. difficult. It's gonna be hard to do say here.
1: Nine. So I'm going eight. Okay. just because even though the stakes were massive this year mm-hmm. I just I think there needs to be we need a little more
2: dude if they if they play again in the ALCS next year like after having the season it's where they're 20. they're battling the race maybe they have a bench clearer in the regular yeah. season if they meet again in the
0: ALCS next year how much fun is that going to plus be? if the Astros win the next time now each side has got one going forward that you start really thinking about okay, this is a fair fight. Each team has succeeded, unlike the Yankees. <laughs> Each team has you know feathers in their cap. Yeah. Now that we can we can keep going forward because people forget because of the fact that they won the head to head and they won the World Series. Astros won the division and they won the season series. Yeah. They won the division. So you're looking at it going. There weren't. It wasn't like all victories going the Rangers' way either. But if the if the Astros bounce back and win it next year, now you really got it ramped up. And also the hate though.
2: Like you get a lot of rival like rivalries. They're supposed to be rivalries, but they all like each other. The right. fact that the Astros and the Rangers hate each other too, and they've cleared the benches twice, adds to it. Two seven five three. It's a seven eight. Uh, Sixty thirty says that Manfred lost his voice cheering for Chris Young <laughs> after he helped them win. One five four two. I think it was a four. Now an eight. Need more consistency from the Rangers to go to a ten. I think you need consistency from both sides and maybe another huge playoff mm-hmm. series. 713-780-3776. How would you rate that rivalry? Uh, our HRMP listener line, 713-780-ESPN. We're on the Twitch. Busy show. Thursdays are always busy. Bad Take Boulevard. Lots of bad takes to get to. Uh, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports joins us at the top of the hour to hand out some winners. We're on the Twitch. Did I mention that? I think I did. I forgot how to do this radio thing. Twitch.tv slash ESPN uh, 97.5. See, I told you. He's at Pac-Man Joel on, tw- on a Twitch. No, Twitter. Twitter. I'm straight I'm like Robert Manford. He's Joe George Radio on the Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. When we return, when we come back, there's some drama going on over at the Texans. How serious is this drama? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety five. First, a moment on HRP Human Resources and Payroll. Cougar owned by my colleague, O'Kuks, and member of the Cougar one hundred for the eighth year in a row. It's going to be a decade before we know it. You've seen the HRP signage everywhere that you go. You've seen their beautiful building off the Beltway. Business owners, let HRP help you. They can help you in HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding. HRP can help in any or all of these areas. There's no boxes with HRP. It it doesn't matter how small, how big the job, HRMP completely customizes a plan for whatever you and your business needs. You have a problem, you have an issue, you want to take a little bit off your plate. The day-to-day of running your business. Well, HRMP will find a way to help you. That way you can get back to growing your business. And they do it in a way that's unique, too. Technology meets service. They have the best tech. You'll love that, but you'll fall in love with their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You'll never talk to a stranger. You'll be talking to someone who knows you. They know your business needs. Take care of your employees, too. We use it here at it's great. Give them a call at 281-880-6525. Let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525. Or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You do like it. from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. He's blank. I'm Brandon. There's drama over at NRG, and apparently I just caused some more drama over at NRG. Um, Matt Burke, who's the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. He had a quote earlier today. It's coordinator day over at NRG. Matt Burke, this is from DJ who was over there covering him. Matt Burke says, Will Anderson is one of the best edge defenders in the NFL. Adds that Anderson has been impa- impactful and says, Will played a big part in Grenard getting sacks last week. Remember whenever we talked Monday, the only day we did a show this week? I said, I was going to go watch this All-22. Can't wait all right. to watch the All-22. I want to see how impactful Will Anderson is to all of these sacks. I'm going to go look at every single John Grenard sack that he's had this season to see how impactful Will Anderson was to John Grenard, too, by the way. But the Texans had six sacks against Carolina. What do we always hear with, John, with uh, Will Anderson? Oh, he's getting double teamed. Oh, he's winning pass rates. Oh, he's winning all these analytical stats. Um, you know, the the exit sack for Will Anderson is very, very high. But Matt Burke says Will Anderson's one of the best edge defenders in the NFL. Adds that Anderson has been impactful. Says Will played a big part in Grenard getting sacks last week. I uh, quote tweeted, I said, this is disrespect to John Grenard. His own DC is acting like Grenard isn't capable of sacking the quarterback without the help of Will Anderson Jr. when that's not the case. John Grenard then retweeted that. Minutes ago. Now, Joe's saying that he had deleted the retweet, but I screen grabbed it. I have proof.
1: Uh, I've seen the screen grab, the screen so it grabbed. did exist. He has un- undone. Which
2: is smart on his part. It yes. is. It is smart. He should not have retweeted that. If uh, Now, I'm happy that he did. It's great for my impressions and farming impressions, but it's not great for, uh, for Grenard to tweet that. But it
0: shows you that it's in the mind of John Grenard. Well, I mean, it should be, right? You you rest on your own merits. And the fact of the matter is, when we've talked about it multiple games, multiple times, Grenard is disruptive. He gets to the quarterback. He's active on the defensive side of the football. He's doing a lot where you're seeing his number and hearing his name called a lot, whether he gets home or not, to turn it into an actual sack, to where you have to give him his flowers and say, dude's having a really good season so far. And I I would think it has to be frustrating when you're constantly fighting the battle of it doesn't matter what I've done it's that the organization who took a you know used a very high pick that they traded to get on a guy that they very much want to see succeed and get those flowers and and a lot of that kind of credit too is seemingly more focused on that than being able to 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 celebrate what John Grenard's been able to do.
2: Yeah, I mean I I think Grenard's been really good. And I I do think it's disrespectful to Grenard Mm -hmm. for the defensive coordinator to go up there and be like, oh, well, yeah, John Grenard's good, but Will Anderson's the one that's creating all these sacks. And it's not true. Like, look, John Grenard had two and a half sacks against Carolina. I'm going to go watch the other three and a half sacks later. I'm going to do a little deep dive to see how impactful Anderson is. And I understand that, you know, every dude has an assignment, it is like, you know, important to every single sack. But watching the John Grenard two and a half sacks, he could have done it without Will Anderson. The six sacks that the Texans had, everybody – cause I, 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 I quote tweeted this, this, uh, this quote from BN. I mean, everybody's attacking me cause they want to defend Will Anderson Jr., which I understand. And I still think Anderson's good. I still think Anderson's a good football player. He's really good against the run. And I think his career is going to take off and he's going to start getting home and he's going to start to get some sacks. I just hate the disrespect that John Grenard gets because he's been really stinking good and he doesn't need Will Anderson to be really stinking good. Of those six sacks, Blankers, because they're always oh, getting double teamed. You don't know ball. He's getting double teamed all every single play. Of the six sacks, Will Anderson got double teamed one, kinda. One time, kinda. Every other sack, all five of them, Will Anderson was single teamed.
0: Yeah, well, so, then, on man. so then there's got to be an you, Burke needs to give us some kind of an explanation as to how else, other than commanding a double team, which he obviously, according to your research, didn't get only except for one time, how else would it be that Will Anderson is impacting the impact that Grenard is having by getting home and doing the things that he's doing? Because double team from the other side is just about the only way that I can see where a t- extra attention is being paid that direction, which allows him more freedom to get to the quarterback. Other than that, tell yeah. me where I'm missing something.
2: No, I mean, I'm going to go back and watch every other sack that Grenard has had. Because, I mean, I haven't watched as closely every, I haven't broken down every single Grenard sack. I broke down every single Carolina sack, all six of them, and in all six of those sacks, Will Anderson got double teamed a grand total of one time. It was kind of. It was like a four-man rush where the center, like, didn't have anybody to block. He's like, well, I don't you have know, anybody to block. I'm going to come help yeah. out here. So it wasn't like a designed, we are double teaming Will Anderson. It just kind of Work that way because of the play that was drawn up on both sides. Uh, I'll go watch it. I'll go watch it. I just tired of this Grenard disrespect well, and, and Grenard feels you know disrespected too because he's retweeting Branham over here. And
0: here's the thing. And you and I have these conversations all the time about you know. And you're always uh, on the side of I don't care about people's feelings. I know. And but this is one where he could get his feelings hurt too in terms of what he feels for the organization, right? Because if he's having a good year and. You know He's getting into a contract year. Mm-hmm. You're, you're actually looking for your coaching staff amongst the guys in your locker room to be able to be supportive, to say, hey, let's call it like we see it. Dude is playing his tail off. He, he's killing it, and, and we should be giving him the credit that he deserves. If you've got your DC basically coming out there and, and trying to deflect credit by ind- indirectly by giving credit to the guy on the other side being an impactful reason why you're succeeding you're going to stick that in your memory banks. You're going to remember those kind of things, and you're going to be like, at the end of the year, I, you know, whether they want me or not, I, I get to make my own decision. And don't think that that won't be at least a thought at some point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be on his mind, but if the Texans offer him more money than yeah. anybody else, where does he sign? Oh,
0: he's going to sign here. Yeah, that's hey, he why. Likes the direction
2: they're going. <laughs> 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Uh, bring Mark into the conversation. Mark, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up?
3: Can you hear me
0: okay? I can hear you great.
3: Okay. Yeah, I, I like their show, but you are absolutely insane. Okay. That this is, this rivalry is a nine. Oh. I mean, come on, man. they They both had one good year. I mean, they've had multiple years, but they've both been good at the same time together. And you think that's a nine? You're comparing that to the Packers and the Bears? What do you think? What do you think, uh, what do you where you, where you think? What do
2: you? Mark, can I ask you a question? Uh, what do you give the Astros Rangers rivalry? What would you rank it on a scale of one to ten?
3: Five. A five. five. It's, it's a flash. Yeah, it's okay. an average because you're just basing on them being good. A good yeah. rivalry is when both teams suck and people still tune in in high numbers to see it just okay. because that's exciting. How many it's of those? Talking two good teams.
2: How many of those exist in baseball?
3: Uh, I mean Yankees Red Sox. People tune into that. And that's you know that's a turd right now. But. all right. Uh, So, one? You know, let's see. uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Probably... As far as I know,
2: that's it. I think it is – appreciate the call, Mark. Thanks for calling into the hype. I think it is more difficult to have, like, these high-intense baseball rivalries as a pair, compared to, like, football. Like, football, you have that game circled. You have, you know, the one that he mentioned with Chicago Bay, right, that has tons of history. Those games are circled for the fans. Uh, you go to college, like Ohio State, Michigan, circled yeah. every year. Texas, Oklahoma, circled every year. I think it is more difficult, to Mark's point, to have that in baseball because baseball you play X amount of times a year. But when the Rangers come to Minute Maid Park next year, you don't think that that's going to be amplified versus oh, sure. when the Kansas City Royals come to town. When the Astros make the short trip up to Arlington next year, you don't think that game's going to be more magnified than whenever the Oakland A's come into you town? Know how you can tell,
0: too? It's going to be the, the biggest Astros game on both of their the schedules. Because they boost the ticket prices for the Yankees series and the Red Sox series, and the, the series where they think it's a rivalry and it's a big-time team and a big-time name. If they boost the ticket prices for the Rangers series, there's a sure t- a surefire telltale sign that that is it's a rivalry. Yeah,
2: I, I don't tune into any other baseball rivalry. Maybe like Yankees Red Sox, not really.
0: But that's I more, used to when they were both good.
2: Yeah, kind of, it, definitely when they were both good and they were playing in the playoffs. Uh, because so it does matter that they're good now. baseball's a lot more regional. And local than football football's national, like you, you get a national every single football game is a national stage. baseball's way more regional, way, did, way more
0: local. Did you happen to catch this the other day? ESPN's running promos talking or, or either ESPN or maybe it's Fox one of the pumping up what the greatest rivalry in the NFL Cowboys Eagles It's pretty big. it used to be
2: I mean it's pretty big. Dallas, Philly, still? Cowboys, Eagles. I mean, every NFC East matchup is pretty big rivalry. Yeah. That's why the NFC East is such a weird division. Like anything can happen when those like that division plays interdivisional games. Like when the Commanders play the Giants or the Eagles play the Commanders, and it's a tight game. Like it's so that that division has the most it history. It used to of any be where division. they were
0: all crap, and we thought they were going to be crap for a while, and <laughs> then the Eagles came on, and then the Cowboys came on, and then now all of a sudden it looks like the whole division is way better than we thought, except for the Giants. But. I don't know, man. I just don't have that same feeling as the old school days when Cowboys and Eagles used to be a you know, just a bloodbath. Seven one three seven
2: eight zero three seven seven six. Let's get Martin in here. Martin, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up, Martin?
3: Hey, what's up, guys? Real quick. Yeah, I, I had to agree with that last caller. That rivalry is nowhere near, you know, nine or ten. I'll put it more like a three or four. Three. Just because Rangers Rangers still have a lot more to prove. Yeah, they already won a World Series, but I mean, Astros, I mean, come on, seven years straight. I feel big rivalry in Astros-Yankees. No. But I agree with you, Brandon. You know, I agree with you. I think um, I think if, they, if the Rangers continue this, should, you know, that number should, will go up and it should be more exciting for us. Man. Uh,
0: I can't believe the underselling see, but, of the Astros-Rangers. The, Rangers is the Yankees have found they have no answer to try and no. beat the Astros. The Rangers already have. So that's a big problem. And then after they beat you, they won it all, which the Yankees didn't do when you were considering that the biggest rival of the Astros. So there's legitimacy in saying this is a team that beat you. This is a team that went on to win it all. This is a team in your division, in your state, all these other things that add to it to where you look at their roster and go, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they spent a boatload of money over the last two seasons, but the majority of those guys are going to be here for the long haul and because they developed young talent like young and like Carter and like these guys that are that have come on along the way as well that they also have what the Astros have always had which is that next generation of like core player coming up or you know or complementary players that are going to be here for a while so both teams are in similar situations where there's a good mix between veteran and youth there's a lot of success on the table and because of the fact that there has been that kind of tension all season through the playoffs in whenever the two teams meet.
2: seven one three seven eight zero espn Let's get to some of that other drama that's going on at uh, NRG. If it is drama, some Texans drama with CJ Stroud and his play caller, it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Guys, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Been telling you about them for quite a while. Apollo Men's Health taking care of people on a daily basis when you're struggling with things that you normally didn't have a problem with. Like having enough energy to get through the day. Get that to-do list done. Take care of everything you need to do sometimes you you think that there's no way to get that energy back and and you might never be able to have that kind of high level energy that you used to have when nothing was too tall of a task for you and you could get everything accomplished in a day the fact of the matter is thanks to the good people at Apollo Men's Health you can get it back every day and it starts with all the good things that they have to offer like b12 shots Or like um, all the different ways that they do hormone therapy for both men and women. Those are making a case for getting results on a daily basis. People have more energy. They get more things done. They keep coming back because of it. There's a million different ways that you can improve your overall day and your health. And Apollo Men's Health has a ton of services that can help and put you on that track to doing that on a consistent basis. Check all the services that they offer out at ApolloMH.com. You see a few that might interest you. Then sign up for your first appointment right there online. You'll find out most major insurance is accepted. There's discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank, a free B12 shot like I get every week on your first official visit or a body composition analysis where they can break down all your numbers and tell you what your body fat is and your muscle mass, and all the important numbers, and then take another one every so often so you can chart your progress and see, even when you feel like you might be in a rut, if the numbers are going in the right direction, you know you are making gains and strides and doing things the right way. Check them out the studios.
2: Beltway Boys on the uh, the Twitter. He's blank on Brandon. We are collectively the uh, the killer bees. Thursday edition of the show. I picked a bad time to start a Twitter war. Um, Why? because it's right before the show and it's distracting me, you know. Uh but you created it. You know the so Will Anderson I should have waited till like 6:05. Uh but whatever, it is what it is, right? I hate yeah. that saying. I use it way too much. Um what is the what's the, what do we hear about where he gets double teamed a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Beltway Boys just sent this to me on the Twitter. He said Will Anderson's double t- it's a stat from ESPN. Will Anderson's double team percentage is 24%. Okay? Okay. He gets, he gets double teamed on 24% yep. of snaps. All right. Guess what John Grenard's is. Based on like the narrative that we hear, where Will Anderson's double teamed all the time and John Grenard's able to feast off of it. 21. It's close. I, I don't think that would be your real guess. Would that that was your real guess? Yeah. Hmm. I'm on to you. Why? Because You're always be- on to me, would, they? Wouldn't the narrative be that John Grenard never gets double teamed?
0: Like if Will Anderson but, but, gets no, double teamed watching, a lot. Is, watching the team the way we do, yes, yeah, sure, you watch it. We much know that you know that he's he he wreaks so much havoc and he can be so disruptive that you know that OCs are paying attention to him. Yeah, I don't think it's as much as Will Anderson, but I would think that there's a there's a there's a very conscious effort to keep him away from my quarterback. Okay,
2: yeah. Um, I'm surprised by how close it is. Will Anderson's double team percentage is 24%. Yeah. John Gernard's is 23%. Wow. So, why? So, they're they're getting double teamed essentially the same amount of times. Gernard most of the time lines up over the left tackle. Will Anderson most of the time lines up over the right tackle, unless they're in pass rush situations, third and seven, then sometimes they move Will Anderson inside historically, which of the offensive linemen is usually better? Left tackle. Okay. So John Grenard's getting double-teamed 23% of the time, lining up over the left tackle most of the time. Will Anderson's double team 24% of the time, lined up over the right tackle most of the time. John Grenard has six sacks. Will Anderson has one sack. John Grenard right now today is a better pass rusher than Will Anderson. Will Anderson, I would give you that he's better against the run, although Grenard's pretty good, I'll grant you that Will Anderson's ceiling and potential is far higher. And this isn't a Will Anderson is a bust conversation. This isn't the draft day trade conversation. This is simply right now, which of the two is better at getting at the quarterback. And it's night and day. Grenard is much better than Anderson today. And that's okay, because Will was, Anderson's that, only a rookie. That's what I was going
0: to say. It's okay, because... You know that the talent is there with Will Anderson and there's nothing that's going to label him a bust or think that he's failing just because it it hasn't he hasn't taken the league by storm in the first, you know, seven or eight games of the season, his rookie year. It's going to happen. You, I don't think anybody doubts that. Everybody believes he's going to be a strong asset to this team for a, a long time to come. But the fact of the matter is everybody blooms Differently, right? They Everybody kind of flourishes at different times. Some guys are late bloomers and it takes a while. Other guys jump on the scene and immediately take the world by storm. Will Anderson has done enough with the block field goals and the things that he did early on. And, the, and even the things like when you're talking about the, the next level stats. You see enough to know this dude can be disruptive. It's just that you don't want to take away from the giving the credit to the other guy on that D-line that is doing what he's doing, too. It's a good thing that you have both guys on your team. You're hopeful that this turns into a situation like Pittsburgh has with Watt and Heismith. You You want the situation where you get a pass rusher on either side, and then there's a whole hell of a lot to worry about for an offensive coordinator, no matter which way you turn. It's just that... No one thinks that John Grenard should be playing second fiddle right now to Will Anderson.
2: Yeah, it's uh, to me. It's just to me. It's a John Grenard take more than it is a Will Anderson take, and I feel like Grenard's getting some disrespect and he's being underrated. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Dwayne, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Dwayne? What's up?
3: Love y'all. Love y'all. Show. Thank you. Um, on the, <clears throat> on that defensive line, yeah. I mean, uh, Renard is the man. But uh, I have a question. Well, uh, what y'all think about Josh McDaniel being the O.C. for the Texans? How? <laughs> sit back
2: and <laughs> Oh, Dwayne. Dwayne, uh, you went there? <laughs> that that name is... the start of that call? Poison. Poison name, Dwayne. Now, I do, I do think McDaniel's going to work again in the NFL. I do, too. Uh, I, he's a much better O.C., obviously, than he is a head coach. I think... I think he's an above-average OC. I think he is one of the worst head coaches in the last 20 years.
0: Look, there's been a lot of guys, maybe not a lot, but there have been several guys that you can point to and say, the guy's an outstanding or above-average coordinator, but he's just, he just doesn't have the chops. It just isn't the right situation for him. He's not a great head coach. Wade Phillips is a guy that I never thought was a great head coach. Wade Phillips is one of the best defensive coordinators of the last couple of decades, and Wade Phillips knows defense. I mean, I think Josh McDaniels is a classic case of a guy that knows offense and he knows how to call plays, but when you put him in charge as the head guy, failure is going to follow him more than success is. And you can, there's a lot of other guys like that where you look at it and you say, it's okay to be really good as a coordinator and still admit the fact that not a great head coach. And I think that's a situation that you're looking at with McDaniel. And and why in the world would the Texans want... We've had enough of Patriot Way, first and foremost. Yeah. But secondly, why in the world when you're basically taking a Shanahan tree coaching staff and you want to force feed a McDaniels into it? That makes zero sense to me.
2: The, that's the thing for me. That's the biggest trump card for me is that I want a San Francisco OC always. Uh, however he, it comes about, that's what I want. If Bobby Slowick. Didn't think he called a great game last week. I want him to be the O.C. until he no longer is the O.C. And whenever he's no longer the O.C., give me the next San Francisco mind. Maybe it's Gerard Johnson who they could be grooming to be that guy. Maybe one of the San Francisco head coaches gets fired and you can hire a retread offensive coordinator. It's not so much a knock on McDaniels, even though I think he's terrible as a head coach, one of the worst we've ever seen. Uh, But he doesn't fit the scheme that I want the Houston Texans to have and that D'Amico currently has. The other
0: thing, too, Jeremy, is the more you look at it, and we talk about this, and we talk about the coaching trees, there hasn't been a whole lot of success as head coaches coming off the Belichick tree. And when you go around the league and you look at all the guys in the last decade that have been under Belichick that have gone off to, to, to be head coaches of their own teams, they failed miserably. Romeo Cornell and Matt Patricia. And you can go up and down the list and look across the board. Nick Saban was a, was, a, was a a disciple of Belichick. When he took over in the NFL, he wasn't good. Bill O'Brien might be the best, and and, and that kind of tells the you best. the barometer, right? He's the best Belichick tree disciple that took over, that as a head coach had success. Other than that, there's been a ton of failures and not a whole lot to talk about no
2: i mean there there hasn't been i saw that schwartz was somehow part of the belichick tree really? Jeez, i saw that on twitter today did you see that
0: but jim schwartz hasn't been a great head coach. no he's more he's a
2: good coordinator yeah. he's a good coordinator not a not a great head coach they're all great coordinators all great coordinators because when they
1: try to be head coaches they try to be bill
2: maybe not all great coordinators that's probably mostly
1: good
0: but i wouldn't consider o'brien good.
2: would you consider brian o'brien great
0: i wouldn't say great yeah i wouldn't say great probably like, not
2: like uh patricia like, what does Patricia do outside Pat- of New England?
0: Patricia as the defensive coordinator was above average. Yeah,
2: in, in New England though, right? We never, England. we never we right, never saw it outside right. of New England. Like, what does it look like if he goes to be the defensive coordinator for? Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, I, I'd like to see that right. get out of get out from under Belichick and let's see what you That's look like. The other like. thing,
0: even yeah. when you talk about Brady, was what the only guy that really got out of that and and succeeded and won a Super Bowl. But when you talk about even Matt Castle, Matt Castle came in the year that Brady went down. Matt Castle had a, a double digit win season for the Patriots. Matt Castle got a monstrous job and he and he failed miserably. Scott Pioli, as a general manager, came out of the Belichick tree, got a chance to be a general manager in two different spots. Failed miserably. I mean, you're right. You're on to something, too, in the fact that when they're in New England, it seems like that's where they have their success. When they go elsewhere, it should be interesting because if Belichick truly is being pursued or if Kraft is talking about trading him or whatever with Washington or if Belichick wraps it up, who gets the head job because – they were grooming McDaniel for that gig. But after seeing what he did in the last two stops, do you really want Josh McDaniels to be your successor? I think it's Mayo. I think, it's Mayo. It's, I think it's, there's no doubt Dried it's Mayo. Mayo. Yeah, yeah,
2: they gave him an extension. They all but gave him the title. Maybe they trade Bill Belichick. Who knows? 713 uh, 780 Let's get to the, uh, the CJ Stroud, uh, Bobby Slowick drama, if there is actually drama. And the trade deadline passed with a whimper. Uh, Nothing at the deadline. How do you feel about that as a Texan fan? 713-780-3776. Killer bees. ESPN 97.5. ESPN 92.5. We hope that you're never in a car accident, a car wreck. We are a car wreck of the day. Hope it's never you. But if you do get into a car accident, the first thing you need to do is call Hollingsworth Law Firm. Don't worry about a retainer, billable hours, because you don't pay a dime until you win your case.
0: And that's the biggest key of all of this, Jeremy. It's twofold. One, you want a lawyer that's not just a general lawyer that could do a lot of different things and focus on a lot of different areas of the law. You want someone that focuses on exactly what you need, which is if you're in a car accident, someone that knows how to handle car wrecks and get you what you deserve. And that's what the Hollingsworth law firm is all about. That's why you go to carwrecktexas.com. The the website says it all. They specialize in car wrecks. And the other thing is that from the minute the accident happens, you're constantly looking around like, who's going to be on my side? Who's going to be in my corner? Who's going to help me get out of this? and not suffer damage in terms of finances and other things. It's the Hollingsworth Law Firm because, as you said, you don't pay unless you win, and they're going to be with you every step of the way fighting the insurance company, the other driver, and everyone that they have to fight to get you what you deserve.
2: Yeah, These insurance companies are always a pain. You don't want to have to deal with them. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm do that for you. Call right now for your free consultation, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773. Or just visit them online at CarWreckTexas.com. That's texas. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights. But they also make
0: honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy.
2: He's Blank. I'm Branham. Art's on the HRMP listener line. Let's bring him in now before we get to this Stroud drama. Or is there even drama?
3: Uh, Art, you're in the hive oh, with drums, the bees. There's no notes on the drums. It's just bees. Yeah. Right. what's yeah. for dinner, Art? I need you. Nope. hey Art, Art are you, you, are you are got to take talking care of business, man. Yeah, who are you talking to, there, hey, Art? Sorry, man. No, it's okay. We want to know more. Hey, we got. <laughs> hey, what's up with uh? How many more draft picks do we need to give Casario? Stroud is the only one that you feel good about. All the other ones, you're like, dude, he picked the wrong guy. Uh-huh. He picked the wrong guy. All of them. What... Yeah. You know, how, how many more do we need to go? And, I mean, to me it seems like you could had a few other defensive guys besides Will Anderson and picked them first and then got Stroud at the end or however you did, come up later and not, not all the way to the top for Will Anderson again mm-hmm. and got somebody still better or equal than Will Anderson without giving off all the picks.
2: Appreciate it, Art. Hope everything's going okay on your end. Yeah. Um... Let's let's repurpose the question. What is Nick Casario's approval rating right now? Scale of one to one hundred.
0: Seven
2: on a scale of one to 100 1 hundred. Oh, one to one hundred. So seventy. One to ten. So 70. seventy. That's about where I'm at too. 70. I don't. I don't feel like Casario's seats warm at all. Like I feel CJ. maybe. Maybe it, CJ's a big part of it. Anderson's not a bad football player. I know no. we're sitting here nitpicking the sack numbers and comparing it to Grenard. He's a good football player. And I think he still has really a really high ceiling with tons of potential, and I think it is going to all click at some point. Sometimes it takes a little while with guys. You know, It took a little while for J.J. Watt. Not saying he's Watt. It didn't take a while for Miles Garrett. So it, it, it varies by the
0: guy. And I think Will Anderson's going to be fine. We had this conversation when y'all were out. And because I threw it out there and I just said, look, getting a franchise quarterback, not that it cures everything, but it gives you selective memory in terms of what you want to dwell on and remember prior to getting C.J. Stroud. Once he got C.J. Stroud, I firmly believe going into this season without finding out what we found out about C.J. Stroud and then if you even want to say before the trade and then draft day on the trade day. I don't think his approval rating was over 50%. I think his seat was incredibly warm. I had conversations with you where I said, if he has another year like he just had, everyone is justified in saying he should be fired at the end of the year or his seat should be red hot. And then all of a sudden, along comes C.J. Stroud and all of his abilities and starts putting it on display from week one and everybody starts to, to start feeling a lot better about Nick Casario and going, you know, maybe he's not that bad after all. Not really taking the deep dive to understand, like, a lot of it could have been that C.J. fell into his lap or that last game of the regular season had a big impact. And if it had gone differently, would he have taken the right quarterback? None of that matters. The fact that C.J. Stroud is a Houston Texan and Nick Casario was the general manager when it happened makes a lot of people forget a lot of things.
2: Yeah, I I think his approval rating is pretty high. I don't think that he's on the hot seat at all. Uh, The Stroud, you have a franchise quarterback that's a rookie. That's going to go a long way in your job security. Will Anderson, you know, I I don't want to make the Will Anderson conversation about the the trade on draft day. Now, the year before, Stingley, that looks like a loss. Kenyon Green, that looks like a loss. Now Young, they still have a chance to, you know, their their careers aren't aren't over, um, they have a chance to rebound and do fine. Now, he does have some other good picks, though, like Henry Toa Toa looks really good. For, for Last week, he was leading the team in tackles, still might be, uh, was a fifth-round draft pick. Nico Collins has looked pretty good now that he has a real quarterback. Tank Dell uh, looks like a steal of the draft as well. Now, the frustrating part is, like, get your first-round picks right. He did with Stroud, maybe didn't do it with the Stingley, uh, Kenyon, Kenyon Green... Green will i like will so yeah I, I don't i just don't think the approval rating's that low so to answer your question art i think he has a lot more years with getting those first round picks for the Texans. yeah
0: i don't know how many years right uh, i think that you know the the funny thing is is again we we go i always refer to the fact that it's selective memory and what you've done last is what people want to mention first next year if he doesn't handle the draft correctly, or he, you know he has a couple of of swings and misses uh, early on with guy, or makes a couple of trades that that end up giving up a lot, you know, you, some of your assets, and you don't get the kind of player that you're expecting in return. I think people will start to turn on him a little bit more, but because of C.J. Stroud, I think it's it's probably bought him a two to three year window.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's here for a while. I think he's here with. I think he's aligned with D'Amico, uh, unless that- they go. That I, mean, far? I don't think they're gonna lose games. Like, start like they're gonna win seven games this year. They're they're safe, right? I expect them to get a little bit better year by year, start adding pieces, cap space. Like I don't see a Texan four and thirteen season. Like if you go first two years of Stroud, it's trending up, and then that third year of Stroud where your free agents are bust, your draft picks continue to look bad, and then you have like a four and thirteen regression, they'll fire Casario instead of D'Amico. Mm-hmm. But this has been kind of a natural climb. If they don't have that regression, I think Nick Casario is safe for a long time.
1: Do, do you both rule out the idea of what we talked about post-draft that no. around those rumors that they bring in a GM with Nick Casario's elevated title that he has now as executive vice president of football
2: operations? I don't rule that out at all, no.
0: Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's possible. I think it's starting to become more of the norm across sports. We're seeing it a lot in baseball start to happen as well, where if he does have a solid relationship with Cal – and the McNairs, that there's a legit chance that they take him out of the fire, and they do something like that, but then the prerequisite is going to be D'Amico's going to have to be involved in the decision-making process, and they don't need to keep going to the Patriots well. They need to find a guy that D'Amico works well with as well, and maybe that's more of a San Francisco molded Front office
2: guy. Yeah, I could, I could see that happening. Uh Not sure Nick Casario should get credit for CJ Stroud. If Lovey Smith lost that last game, he would have had Bryce Young right now. Probably true. I agree with But that. I mean that stuff usually doesn't matter. Like, a year out, two years out, you're not really talking about, oh, if they lost this game and we got the first pick, we would have drafted Bryce. No, you are the players that you got. So I don't think it would. I don't think it really came back into – I don't think we're going to look at uh, Nick Casario with the idea that he would have drafted Bryce over Stroud, and I don't think the McNair's will look at it that
0: way either. But in revisionist history, when you look at it, because, again, that was part of the conversation, well, when you look at it, you do – I was the first – I firmly believe mm-hmm. – if they win, the, I mean, if they lose that game, they're supposed to lose. Yeah. I, I think that was the biggest blessing this franchise maybe could, could have possibly have had was the fact that that, that they didn't lose that last game. Yeah, because maybe so. I think that's, I think it's legit that if they lose that last game, You've got Bryce Young at quarterback for the Houston Texans right now.
2: Well, if you believe the Jay Glazer rumors that they wanted to trade up to one to right. draft Bryce, then yeah, I think that is the case. But I just don't think that we're going to hang that over Casario's head a year after the fact, two years after the fact. Um, 713-780-3776. Stroud, after the game the other day, talked about how they needed to take more shots, deep balls. Some people interpret it like as a shot. at slowick. Uh, Stroud was like, no, nah, that that wasn't a shot at Slowick. It was just us talking about us offensively. D'Amico says the same thing. Slowick says the same thing. Are, are you on the side of much ado about nothing?
0: Yeah, I think that you know we've heard all the stories from back at Ohio State days that he only respects guys that that want to talk ball and break it down with X's and O's. And I'm sure that the conversations have been had to where he's been very, very transparent and open in terms of every game when he wants it when things go wrong he takes the blame I don't think he's big to point fingers at anybody else I think this was more of just kind of a introspective look at the franchise and the conversations going we know what we have to do better we we know that we're not doing enough of you know throwing the ball downfield and taking our shots and we'll get better at doing that I, I don't think this is something where you nitpick it and say oh he's he's he, you know he's taking an open open media shot at Bobby. No, I don't I don't I just I don't feel that way. I didn't get that vibe. Yeah,
2: I didn't either at all. To me it was more of like this is the topic of conversation about what our offense is saying we need to do and he was just kind of like a spokesman of everybody in the room, in the offensive room. Uh, 713-780-3776. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports going to hand you some free plays and some free winners when we return. Killer Bees, ESPN 975, ESPN 925.